Hello, and welcome to Recruiting and Hospitality from Cater.com. I'm your host, Junior Lewis, and in each program, we invite top name in the world of hospitality to talk about all things recruitment, retention, development, and onboarding. And today, we've got a very special guest, a woman I've known for many, many years doing some incredible things, CEO and founder of Be Inclusive Hospitality, Lorraine Combs. Lorraine, you've presented some very insightful findings on the Inside Hospitality Report, which I'm very eager to share with our listeners today. So before we get into that, we'd love to understand more about you, the person behind this great movement. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you to the stage? Where do I start? Um, so I have worked in the hospitality industry for a very long time, two decades to be exact, or a little over two decades. From a career perspective, started my career in the pub industry um, in supply chain and logistics um, and so I have carved out a space um, as a procurement director leader for a number of notable brands across the industry and um, out or born out of the love for the industry I founded Be Inclusive Hospitality three years ago because whilst hospitality is 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 very visibly diverse in any decision-making room that I was in uh, any events, any award ceremony, that diversity tends to disappear. And I believe that that is really symptomatic of um, a problem that exists within the industry. And I was keen to explore further and really examine the specifics as to why there's a lack of uh, representation in positions of influence and leadership roles. So that's me career-wise. Um, as you could probably tell from my, um, my my wonderful accent, I'm from Birmingham and um, grew up um, in Birmingham. Um, regular working-class family, parents are Jamaican, really rich Jamaican culture that I'm really um, proud of and really connected to. The reason why I mentioned my, my beginnings is because I think the springboard for where I am here and now is just on the basis of the my, my amazing parents, actually, who I love dearly, and my family broadly, that has um, enabled me to access opportunities. My parents have been, you know, really, they've really sacrificed um, for myself and my brothers. And um, yeah, I kind of stand on their shoulders um, and my grandparents' shoulders who came here in the 60s, really keen to support people that look like me to move forwards and upwards, where it's been extremely difficult within the industry to do so in the, in the past. Wow, what a what a great sort of story there. Well, you your impact has been phenomenal in the industry, and hospitality is known to be a very diverse industry. That it is, yeah. What you've done though is raised. You've gone further and delved further into where where representation matters at boardrooms and, and award shows, and and that's why this report I feel is so significant. On the on the outside of things, it looks there's nothing wrong here, and interestingly, many years ago. Uh, we started this whole movement in boardroom. It's a very nice to have conversation about EDI and, 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 and everybody seems to be having a very nice conversation in a boardroom. It is what happens beyond those conversations that I think you're um, sort of going deeper into. Let's highlight some really interesting findings because it's not enough to have a flowery conversation around what we're going to do or committed to do. It is, are you doing it? And how do the people feel? Can they see that at work? So we're super excited about this report. And I'd love to understand what were some of the reasons why you, from the obvious, that made you go into this you know, this whole project. And how long has this been going on? Yeah, so research um, 
it's not necessarily my background, but because my background is procurement, very commercial, very data-led, when I first embarked upon this journey, the first action for me really was looking for data to support what I believe to be true. Um, and there was none. The first step towards this, this now three-year-old project um, was um, requesting that a business, a think tank, produce a report on our behalf, which reviewed uh, government data available on the, web, um, on the government website, um, census data, to understand what those disparities look like. And actually, that first report, which is called Ethnic Minorities in Hospitality, it did reinforce what we touched on earlier, which was at the time in 2020, 17% of the industry identify as Black, Asian or ethnic minority, which is overrepresentation versus the 12% in the UK at the time. I say at the time because since then, new census data has been released and the numbers have increased. But what that tells us is there's technically overrepresentation. Diversity is not the problem. Inclusion and equity is where the barriers and the challenges lie. And then from there, again, a real thirst for more information because if you look at the industry broadly, any reports that are released around diversity and inclusion are from the lens of an employer. I'm pretty sure PR, marketing also get involved in that exercise. But telling the views or sharing views and results from leaders is one dimensional. What I'm interested in, because again, what I was simultaneously seeing with large organisations posting about their DE&I initiatives, and I know a lot of black and brown people in hospitality or career levels, and at the very same time, they're telling me that their experiences are awful and this business is, is, has diversity dishonesty in a way, you know, presenting one thing and doing another. And that really prompted me to want to further explore what the experiences were, not only for black and brown people, but across the sector so we can look at disparities. So this is the third report of its kind. I see this report being the voice of the hospitality industry because it's really important to address any issue in any, any industry. You have to first understand how that, that problem is showing up and how it's affecting those people who are experiencing um, barriers or margin, will be marginalised. And until you scrutinise and understand that, you, you can't put a DE&I initiative on the basis of a boardroom that's not necessarily diverse. Absolutely. Well, I'm keen to get into some of the findings. So, first of all, catering.com are pleased to be a supporter of, of, of Be Inclusive and the incredible work you do. And have been since day one. Absolutely. And we're proud to be a distribution partner of the Inside Hospitality Report. For audiences, um, what does it aim to achieve in terms of what, what, what is your goal? There's a number of purposes, actually. The first is raising awareness. Um, it's raising awareness to an issue that long has not been recognised. And I say that I've been in the industry for many years, as I've mentioned. There is not an employer that I've worked for that hasn't mentioned how many different ethnicities or, or nationalities they have within their organisation with real celebration. You know, we have 84 nationalities, but who's in the boardroom and who's back of house? That's my question. So raise awareness for one. The second is really to act as a catalyst for change. So it's one thing raising awareness. This is how the what the current status quo looks like. But actually, how can we use this data to inform action and take steps towards a more inclusive industry? Definitely those two things are, are really the, the it's the purpose of the report. And it's it's been the purpose since the beginning, which is wonderful. Now, let's run into some of the findings, because this is quite interesting what you found. One in three respondents reporting that they have had experienced discrimination at work. Yeah. 
Interesting. And white respondents are most likely to hold managerial positions, earn the most, and occupy full-time employment than any other ethnic group. Black respondents are more likely to be on zero-hour contracts, and Asian respondents are most likely to be on part-time contracts. You've also found that 52.5% of respondents did not know if the employer had undertaken any equity, diversity, and inclusion initiatives the past year. What stood out there for you in, in some of those? We'll start with the stats um, about um, employees not knowing whether their employers have undertaken any initiatives. And I'm unsure as to whether it's around inaction or whether it's transparency. But what I do know is that as an organisation, you have EDI initiatives in place, whatever that might be, even a statement. If the employees don't know, then it can't live and breathe within your organisation, right? And so I think that's, that really screams really loudly. I think second is around discrimination and racism. Over the three years of, of um, delivering this project, the stats have remained pretty consistent, yeah. It's a problem um, that needs to be addressed. I think what's really interesting this time around, though, is that irrespective of your race or ethnicity, one in three have experienced race uh, discrimination, sorry. If you are black or Asian, it's more likely to be cited as racial bias. But the overarching headline really highlights a really alarming problem within the industry that really needs to be addressed. And then paired with that is the idea that if people are experiencing discrimination or racial bias, if we talk about the race element, then in terms of outlets to report that or to receive support, they're minimal. Interesting um, um, finding as well. CEOs and founders exhibit low levels of attendance to equity, diversity and inclusion workshops at 22.64% with a high appetite to attend such workshops. So they want to do yeah, it. But, oh, but we, where's the disconnect? Well, I think... Um, perhaps access. When I say that actually, and I should have said this before, when I say that the report purpose is to build awareness and act as a catalyst for change, it also informs our work. So we, um, since inception, we've delivered workshops to about 1,200 leaders up and down the industry, uh, up and down the country, sorry, um, covering topics like talking about race, allyship, inclusive leadership, the list goes on and on, black history, um, specific cultural topics. And because the findings were very similar from year one, we've built workshops and learning and development tools around bridging that gap. So I think in answer to your question, I think that access awareness on, on potentially where to access the, these learning and development tools might be a barrier, but there are limited resources in the industry that specifically speak to race, EDI, which is, is there are other agents of change, but which is why we will continue to expand um, the offering that we have. But I think it's optimistic that CEOs recognise it's a gap for them to fill. And I say this because when you think about CEOs in hospitality businesses, you think pre-pandemic, they're used to having all the answers right. They, they sit at the, the top table making decisions about the business and everyone within the business looks to them for decisions um, and knowledge. Within the pandemic, what we saw was no one had the answers. And... For those businesses, business leaders that were really leaning into the vulnerability, they probably kind of reshaped the cultures of their organisations and really importantly with this conversation, especially because most boardrooms across the sector do not have very many people of colour, if at all, you don't necessarily have the answers in that room. So it's about looking outside of that and having the courage to do so, which 
is a is a process, I'm sure, for many. Yeah. I suppose this topic becomes quite sensitive because if if somebody feels racially discriminated at work, I suppose from from an HR perspective, handling and taking on that, it's it's I suppose there's education that needs to be had and how do you first of all identify and label what's happened? You mentioned racial bias earlier or and I suppose the educational piece comes from how do you handle that as opposed to another grievance at work? Yeah. I mean, where exactly. what levels do, yeah. do you put? How do you educate yeah. uh, sort of you know business leaders and and and, to, and and how they can attack and tackle these these areas? There's two things on that. There's one that I'll refer to the report findings where um, respondents are more likely to report an incident to um, a peer or a manager than they are to a director or HR. So trust is really important. The second thing, again, when when you do lack diversity in those key roles is as an organization, it's really important within the EDI space to set out your position on behaviors that are acceptable or not, and what the course of action that will be taken in the incidents, in the instance that, um, you know, discrimination, racism, bullying occurs within the workplace. And it's really sticking to that, which is where the trust piece comes in. So for any organization, I mean, my starting point is always around data, understanding the current makeup of your business, but you've got to have policies and procedures that support equity, diversity and inclusion, if that's what is important to you as a business objective. Yeah. Right. So recently, the last couple of weeks, we've seen reports where lots of top EDI chief officers have been laid off and made redundant. Do you think this whole topic is sort of slowly dying? It was a very popular topic months and months and years ago. And now, I, I, do you feel like it's it sort of eventually lose its yeah. its place at the table? I think we can't lose sight of the fact that the reason why it became a high priority was because of the murder of someone very publicly in America three years ago. It was very visible. Um, and as a result of that, the world responded. I think where we are three years later is that some businesses who weren't genuinely invested have chosen for that not to be a priority anymore. But what I would say is this, uh, as an organisation, we are continuing to grow year on year. And that is because businesses in the industry are finding us, seeking us out and doing the work. So I think in the very public sphere, I would say that um, when I think about that and also I think about people I know that work within the EDI space, there's definitely been a decrease in appetite. But I still remain optimistic based on the work that we're continuing to do. But the, the, the land has definitely shifted. So to talk, come back to your work, because you're a, you're a champion for this subject. You've worked relentlessly on raising awareness. Where do you see your work evolving into educating and continue to educate? Where do we, where do we take this journey? This yeah, fight? sure. I think really importantly, our business has always been centered in community. And so when I think back to the beginning of the journey, the starting point was all centered in wanting to see people who look like me, who are CEOs, who are sommeliers, who are bartenders, who are GMs, and not having visibility or transparency on where they are. So we sought them out. And the reason why I say it starts with communities, because a key part of what we deliver as a business is around initiatives to support people of colour to move forwards and upwards within in the industry. That could be an employee, that could be a founder. So that has been mentorships, scholarships, award ceremony, we'll continue to deliver initiatives like this. And these are generally funded by a third party. So 
a grant funder because we're a social enterprise or a brand. So that will continue and we have a vision to support 10,000 employees by 2026 and 2,000 um, founders by 2026. And we're, we're, we're kind of just, we supported about 2,000 employees, about 35 business owners. So we're on the journey. In terms of the work within the industry though, we are on a journey of, of growing and building out um, our work so that we can better support the industry. Learning and development is key. So we currently deliver a lot of workshops online as well as in person. Uh, we are growing our team, so we'll be able to expand the reach, but we also will be delivering more work within a digital space, so moving into the e-learning area. And we will continue to work with businesses who want to advance change and who need a supportive partner that can help them on their journey. And not forgetting that we work with hospitality businesses, so restaurants, hotel chains, but we also work with like global brands as well. Um, and there's no shortage of businesses who are A, on the journey, who or B, have the appetite to embark upon that journey. So we just want to do more of the same and create more impact to create a more fair and inclusive industry. You mentioned something just now, which I'm super excited about, the awards. And I'm pleased to be joining you yeah. uh, in a few oh, yeah. weeks' time. Your judging panel, I am super excited. Yeah. Tell us about this awards and what, yeah. what what inspired this? Yes. Let me tell you what inspired this. So I am so I mentioned at the beginning, I think I did, I love the hospitality industry, which is why I do this work within the industry. Um I also will turn up to the opening of an envelope. So I have been to every awards ceremony in the industry pretty much. We've been to like Yeah, I usually see you there. Okay. I love being able to celebrate excellence. But very similar to my experience being in the boardroom, when I'm at awards, I'm looking on the stage at who's winning the awards, who's judging the awards and who's in the room. And the people that look like me generally are waiting tables. Also mentioning that I am Jamaican. Um, I absolutely love Caribbean food, love African food, love foods from around the world. And again, not really seeing this representation or celebration in these environments that I've been in for two decades. So. The Spotlight Awards um, aims to close that gap. It is there to spotlight exceptional cuisines, individuals and businesses who are from the community. Um, it's the only awards in the UK that celebrate African cuisine as its own champion category or Caribbean cuisine, um, Middle Eastern cuisine. Um, and um, we also celebrate chefs drinks professionals, uh, hospitality restaurants, um, the list goes on and on, there's 15 categories, but ultimately shining a spotlight on underrepresented people, cuisines and businesses in the industry who are doing phenomenal things, but they're not visible at award ceremonies that I'm attending. My hope is that at some point in the future, the rest of the industry catches up and these awards need not exist. But until such time, we will continue to celebrate really worthy people and cuisines um, and businesses in the industry through our Spotlight Awards. Where will your work end in your eyes? If you should go, I can rest now. Yeah. What would have happened? It's an interesting question because I'm often asked the question, when, when, when will we see balance and representation? And I feel like this, the challenges and problems and barriers that we are trying to help remove have existed for hundreds of years in this country and the world, hundreds of years, thousands of years, a very long time, shall we say. And so I personally am not able to put a timeline on the when, 
what I do know is that there's an indefinite need for us to exist as an organisation and to do that work because there is no other business within the industry that exists as a mirror of ourselves, you know, being the community element as well as doing the, the work as a, as a partner, trusted partner within the industry. So when I think about the business, it's, it's for the foreseeable. It really is. And, and my hope and aim is just to really build a team so that we can create a bigger impact um, and continue to do that. And I think you're right. There is no utopia here. We will continue to spread the message. On that note, though, it must have you have you had any moments where it's become challenging to get your message across to I mean, lawyers, yeah. organizations? Yeah, I think I mean it, it definitely is challenging. It's challenging because um, the very same industry that has often celebrated um, the diversity that exists without recognizing that there's a race disparity. It includes some people that are not willing to acknowledge that there's even a problem. And what I decided to do very early into this journey was really focus on those that recognise there's a problem and that are willing to collaborate and work with us to remove that. There are many organisations um, and bodies that don't really acknowledge that we exist and, and that's, their, that, that's on them. What I'm not here to do is convince anyone it's the right thing to do um, because that's kind of me convincing someone to believe that you know if, if I want a job or if someone that looks like me wants a job that they should be um, they should be employed on the basis of capability and merit and, and not excluded and I refuse to go there you know for my own personal well-being and personal health or mental health we are definitely um, wanting and continuing to disrupt the industry by having conversations that are never had and um, an, an example of that is uh, the launch of the Inside Hospitality Report, where it was a wonderful thing to see. We held it at the Four Seasons um, Park Lane. We had over 100 hospitality people join us. We had about 18 speakers and the speakers and the audiences were super diverse at all career levels. What I've realised we're able to do with this business as a vehicle is really create the spaces that we want to see exist. Something we will be doing more of next year is more conferences and events that support bringing our community and our partners together. Because as I say, the, the kind of depth of conversations that we are having as an organisation is not happening at any other conference in the industry. But I'm really keen just by the way I'm wired and the way the business is, is positioned is we will have these really important and honest conversations, but they will support people us to all move forwards and upwards that's it's got to be the aim yeah and i'm about to ask you about successes but i always think that we can go on about how great our initiative has been but it's only great i think when you sort of encourage conversations absolutely and what you have done is encouraged conversations and dialogue yeah that's been left unspoken about yeah. for many years yeah and you're disrupting boardrooms and you're adding a new point of agenda be able to talk about and go just just overlook that for a moment because on the on the surface level it looks all great like you say like you say I look around my hotel or my restaurant and I can see lots of nationalities so we are diverse Lorraine what do you what do you mean we're not I hear that all the time all the time and so it's almost and then you go yeah I hear that but mm -hmm. and it's that but mm -hmm. that really triggers that conversation yeah. on a whole new level and so what a great sort of piece of work but I can imagine the resistance you probably sometimes get. So I want to ask you now, what successes have you had or what's been your biggest success to date? It's interesting because um, as a social enterprise and also someone that's purpose-led, success for me is impact. Um, and impact 
as a, a business has meant that, um, you know, there are people who have been on our mentorship scheme. One lady in particular um, who started as a HR associate, she's now HR director, um, and she's been on our mentorship scheme twice. Has the mentorship scheme helped to influence her career progression? Absolutely. Um, and it's an amazing story I'm looking forward to telling at some point this year with her. In terms of impact and success, it's really the community we've built. We have a community of over 500 individuals and businesses who are all seeking out ways to collaborate and move the dial forward. Um, and every day I'm reminding of, reminded of the brilliant people that exist within the, the community, whether that is people who are keen to volunteer um, and help us to deliver initiatives, or whether that is businesses who are willing to put their money where their mouth is and sponsor our initiatives as well. And so it's everything in between. Um, so success, I lead with that. But secondary, secondary, we've you know, we've been in the um, SE 100 for the past two years as the top 100 social enterprises in the UK. I've been named as top 100. I'm now multi award winner, and all of these things are great. But it's not my why. It's not why I get up in the morning. Um, but it does give visibility to the business. And that helps us to partner with more businesses and create and create more impact and do more work. So success is relative. And I think that what success looks like is constantly evolving and changing. You know, I would say from a numbers perspective, we've grown at pace. And my aim is for us to continue to grow at pace so that we can have the size of team to really execute, execute impact up and down the country seamlessly. And at the moment, we're a really small team of three people, so. Well, I can tell you, the team at Catro.com are super proud of you, the work you do, and the change you are making and are about to make. Thank you. Because you're not done yet. So if I were an employer and I was listening to this today, and I go, well, that's great. You found, I'd love to go further on the report. And obviously, we'll, we'll give you all the details in a moment. But what work could I do with you? How do I get it? How do I get involved? I think the starting point is download all three reports and read them. <laughs> That's the first thing. That's the first thing. The second thing is, you know, ensure you're willing to have honest conversations about where you are versus where you want to go. And in the instance that you are there, get in touch and let's have a conversation. Because we help business leaders to not only carve out their path, but help them along the journey and help them along the journey with ongoing learning. So we have like a membership of which businesses join um, for 12 months. And we produce um, content using various facilitators, which will specifically touch on different topics. So whether it's Black History, whether it's Lunar New Year, whether it's um, Ramadan 101, um, we want to provide a toolkit of education and resources, so much so that we don't necessarily refer to what we do as diversity and inclusion. We refer, refer to it as education and resources because that's what we provide. But we're also a consultant and a trusted partner. The way in which we work with all businesses is quite unique, so it's tailored to their journey, but it can include anything, as I say, from workshops, from membership, from mentorship, to co-curated events, to soundboarding, coaching, the list goes on and on. Really depends on your needs. But firstly, start with the data and start, start doing the reading in terms of the current status quo within the industry. Yeah. yeah. There's one bit of data that I, I, I need to just quickly share uh, as, we, as we close. It says the industry is perceived as less fair in race, age, and disability, and fairer for sexual orientation, religion, and gender. If I were an HR leader or business leader, I, and I saw that, and I was really um, 
interested in and, and concerned about equity and diversity and inclusion in my business. And I thought, well, perhaps the industry in my business has got the other bits right. And I needed to start investigating. I've got your report. And, and I wanted to look at race, age, and disability as the ones that it's less fair according to your report. What are some of the things that I would need to do? How do I change? How, how do I tackle that? Yeah. That, that revelation. Yeah. I, I think the really important thing I mentioned it earlier was around data. And you first got to understand the demographic of your own employees and how is this reflected in your own organisation? Because if the answer is yes, this is where a lady from IO um, Institute of Hospitality, uh, Dorothea, uh, used a quote or used the term at our launch, which I love, which is you measure what you treasure. With anything that sits in the boardroom, whether it's uh, key objectives around numbers, finance, whether it's about HR, whether it's about marketing, supply chain, there's all numbers attached to where you want to get to. So firstly, you've got to understand where you are and where should you be? Should your organisation represent the environment that you're in, the city that you're in, the, the country? And if that's the target, then it's really creating a roadmap on how you get there. So starting point has to be data to understand where you currently are as an organisation. Yeah. And on that note, how do we get access to share with our listeners? How do we get access to your data, your social handles? How do we connect with you? So our website is uh, www.bihospitality.co.uk. You can find us on all social um, channels, Be Inclusive Hospitality, and get in touch with us via either socials or our website. Lorraine, you're fresh air. There you have it. A pioneer uh, with great things in our industry. And keep an eye out for Lorraine Cope. She's doing some incredible work. And Kato.com is pleased to be working with, we're not in collaboration with you and supporting what you do, judging at your awards. We can't wait to come and spend some time and at your award ceremony, it what is what is the award? The sixteenth of October. Fifth of October. Yeah, Lorraine, thank you so much. No problem. Keep doing what you're doing. We are super impressed. Thank you. Thank you. And so, thank you for 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 joining us today. And for further information, please follow us on all social channels: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn at Caterer D O T com as at Caterer Until next time.